good morning again. For those of you who are online, well, and those of you who are here on site, welcome. Again, thank you for choosing to participate with us. And uh, hold on to your hats. I'm doing something I haven't done for years. I'm going to confess that so that you can pray for me. And pray for you too. Pray for yourselves. Some of you know I have a side gig. I coach people. I encourage people so they can do things. And uh, one of the things I have to encourage them to do is to. Uh, one of my phrases is start ugly. Give up on perfection. It doesn't exist in this world. If you got if you got something you think is a ten, it's probably really only a nine point five, and there's room for improvement. I know I am a frustrated perfectionist, the son of frustrated perfectionists. My my parents were frustrated perfectionists because they raised me. <laughs> Amen. That's true. If they were here, you could ask them and they could go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Uh, so this morning, I, I usually have a really nice, neat little sermon all written out and everything's on it, and it's all on my tablet, and and I got my notes, and and, and I, I thought about staying up all night trying to make it perfect, and I was tired, and I, uh, I said, forget it. I hit print, and I'm starting ugly. God bless you. We're going for a ride. So, uh, a lot of times we ask this question. We, we may not say it out loud, but sometimes we do. Why doesn't God do something? We look around us at this crazy world, and we wonder, why doesn't God do something? Why does he just let this mess keep going? Now, uh, I'm pretty sure most of us really don't want him to stop it, because that would really mess, really mess up our plans uh, if he did. Jesus told a lot of parables while he was with us, a lot of stories, and they don't directly answer uh, the, our, all of our questions, but one of the things that he does do is, is let us in on a, a, a few principles of how he, his spiritual principles work in this world. And, and part of the, the, those principles are that there's, we're living in a messed up world. And he's trying to, he's not trying, he is in the process of restoring and reviving and renovating it, but it's, he's going to take time. He's not going to do it like that. Do you know what happens when you change directions like that? Uh, if you're in a car, it's called whiplash or death. You know, like when your car hits a cement block wall or bridge abutment and you stop like that it can either kill you or really mess you up uh, 
We don't really want that, do we? No, we don't. Thank you. I may supply my own support because, well, I told you earlier I've been to church this week and got revival, so. I was with a bunch of, a bunch of folk that did a lot of preaching and pray, uh, praising and supporting, so. So we're, we're talking about Matthew chapter 13. Jesus, uh, Matthew has collected seven of Jesus' parables, and the first one uh, is one we're going to look at today. Um, Matthew chapter 13, we're going to look at verses uh, 1 to 9. It's the parable, and then in verses 18 to 23, he explains the parable to his disciples. So we're going to look at those two paragraphs. Um, Matthew chapter 13, starting at verse 1, it says, On that day, I'm going to stop right there, uh, on that day, what day is that? If we look back at uh, Matthew chapter 12, uh, one of the last things that happens in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus' mother and his brothers show up because they've heard crazy stories about what's going on in Jesus' life. And they're concerned about him. And uh, they're concerned for his health. Well, frankly, they're concerned for his mental health. And uh, so they want to check on him. And while Jesus is teaching, uh, they can't get close to him because there's so many people hanging out. And so a messenger comes up, works their way up and says to Jesus, your mother and brothers are here to see you. And Jesus responds like this. These people are my family. The people who listen and do what God says, these are my family. Now, I don't know what your mom would have been like. But I'm pretty sure I know what my mom would have said. Pardon me? <laughs> Who's your mama? Because I'm pretty sure none of them people birthed you. I don't remember any of them being in the labor room with me. Right? So on that day, <laughs> Jesus went out of the house. Pretty sure it was the back door. <laughs> uh, it's just my guess. I just put that in there. Don't, don't. Okay. He, and he went out the, out of the door. He, he sat by the lake, and such a large crowd gathered around him that he got into a boat to sit while the whole crowd stood on the shore. And he told them many things in parables. So let's talk about parables for a moment. What is a parable? Uh, I've mentioned this before. It's not a word we use very often. Uh, parables are word pictures, illustrations, comparisons, figures of speech, riddles, uh, puzzling sayings that are meant to stimulate intense thought. They're meant to make us think. They're things that, word pictures that bring ordinary everyday life alongside eternal spiritual truths so that we can understand those spiritual truths but you got to think about it 
It's just not automatic. Throughout uh, Hebrew history, the wise men, the prophets, the teachers used parables uh, as their preferred teaching method. And Jesus tells parables to people because he wants them to think. Jesus is essentially saying, if you came out here to be spoon-fed, forget it. Put your thinking caps on. I don't know, he didn't say it that way, but that's what it means when you put on a, start telling a parable. And here's the first parable. Jesus says, listen, a sower went out to sow. Okay, so we better explain that. Uh, a farmer went out to plant seeds. And the way they did it is they took a handful of seeds out of a bag and they threw them. We got these nice big machines that they pull behind tractors and we stick the seeds in the ground in nice neat rows. Not then. They plowed and then they threw. And the seeds went everywhere. Sower went out and sowed. As he sowed, some seeds fell on the path. Birds came and devoured them. Other seeds fell on rocky ground where they did not have much soil. They sprang up quickly because the soil was not deep. When the sun came up, they were scorched, and because they did not have sufficient root, they withered. Other seeds fell among the thorns, the weeds, and they grew up and choked them choked out the plants, and other seeds fell on good soil, produced grain some hundred times as much, some sixty and some thirty. The one who has ears had better listen. So later, as he's alone with his disciples, he says, so listen to the parable of the sower. When anyone hears the word about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches what has been sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The seed sown on rocky ground is the person who hears the word and immediately receives it with joy, but he has no root in himself and does not endure. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, immediately he falls away. Oh, I love it. That's a great idea. Oh, it's going to cost me something. I guess it's not all that. And then the seed sown among thorns is the person who hears the word, but worldly cares and the seductiveness of wealth choke the word so it produces nothing. But as for the seed sown on good soil, this is the person who hears the word and understands. He bears fruit, yielding 160 or 30 times as much as was sown. So what in the world is he talking about? Good question. We got to think about that. I left out a section in case you notice. There's a section where he talked to his disciples and told them about why he was talking in parables. And I'm going to uh, share uh, out of that. This is where he was explaining to them why he told spoke in parables, and he was talking about the importance of people thinking. And uh, he quoted from the ancient uh, prophet Isaiah. And he said this, this is from the uh, Passion Translation. I really like the way they, they caught Isaiah's message. 
The prophecy of Isaiah describes these people perfectly. Although they listen carefully to everything I speak, they don't understand the thing I say. And it's like, oh, that's sad. They look and pretend to see, but the eyes of their hearts are closed. Oh, wait a minute. Maybe it's not as sad as we thought it was. Their minds are dull and slow to perceive. Their ears are plugged and hard of hearing. They have deliberately shut their eyes to the truth. They've deliberately shut their eyes to the truth. Otherwise, they would open their eyes to see and open their ears to hear and open their minds to understand. Then they would turn to me and I would instantly heal them. says essentially they have calloused hearts they've closed their eyes they have deliberately chosen not to see and not to understand what they're they're looking at it they're listening and they're going I hear what you're saying I'm pretty sure I know what you mean <clears throat> But I decided I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. They had hearts. They had an attitude that refused to listen to the truth. They refused to consider the truth. They refused to acknowledge the truth. They refused to accept the truth. They refused to reject the lie that they had been believing when they heard the truth. And here's the problem with this kind of a calloused heart or a hardened heart, this, uh, this heart that is dull and slow to perceive, this person who's decided to deliberately not understand. The more we choose not to understand, the more we refuse to accept the truth, the more we reject the truth, the easier it becomes to do it. The, the easier it becomes to reject it, and the harder it becomes to accept it. See, Jesus knew that the interest to understanding and turning back to God starts with actively thinking about what he teaches. And he's looking at these, he says, I'm telling parables because, one, I know these people just don't really want to get it. But I want them to think about it, and they're not going to. They're not going to do it. They refuse. They've already made up their minds, and they refuse to consider a different point of view. These are the same people that will see me do a miracle one day, and the very next day ask me to do something to prove that I'm who I say I am. Do a miracle. Now, I, Jesus, on more than one occasion, said, like, like, you saw me do yesterday. You made him lunch. Had 5,000 people out of a sack lunch. 
the next day they're going, show us a miracle that we'll believe that you're God's son. And he goes, no, I don't think so, because really all you want is another free lunch. That's, that's what it means to see and deliberately not understand. See, and, and Jesus says, okay, there, there, there's three different ways that this can happen. And he mentions them, gives illustrations of them in the parable. There's outright refusal to accept the truth or to even listen to it or consider it, like the hard-packed soil of a well-worn walking path. So the seed falls on the path. And it is so hard, the seed just lays there, and the birds come and eat it. Or if you live in Michigan, the squirrels. Because the birds don't have a chance to get there before the squirrels do. Right? Outright refusal. Not even going to think about this. I'm not going to. And it's gone. It's taken away. But then there's the troubled refusal, like that rocky soil that, that keeps the plants from for really putting down roots, and then when it gets hot and it's difficult, the plants die because they don't have the roots system to keep them alive. Or the distracted refusal, like the weed-infested soil that chokes the fruit out of the plant. The plant grows, but there's so much competition that it doesn't get any nutrients and it doesn't grow. What does that mean? What, 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 and then Jesus talks about this good soil that produces fruit that's 160, 30 times. What is he talking about? It goes right back to that prophecy from Isaiah where he said if they would open their eyes to see, open their ears to hear, and open their minds to understand, turn to me, I will instantly heal them. The good soil are the ones who choose to think and to understand and to receive and to turn to him and receive his healing. See, the good, fruitful soil is the person in the hearts, the, the hearts of people that listen to the truth and they consider the truth, and they acknowledge the truth, and they accept the truth, and they reject the lies that they have been hearing and believing. And because of that, they see with their eyes, and they hear with their ears, and they understand with their hearts and their minds, and they turn to God, and they Receive his healing. We have multiple ways of listening when we talk to each other. Uh, one way that we listen when we're talking to each other in a conversation is simply to wait for the other person to shut up so we can talk. We really aren't listening to what they're saying. We're already thinking about what we're going to say. And it probably has absolutely nothing to do with what they're saying. <clears throat> That's one way. 
Okay, that's the one way other people listen to us because I'm sure that we are all far more polite. Right? Yeah. But none of us would ever do that to anybody else. Ooh. You're good. I'm glad you all agree with me on that. But we do know somebody who would, we all know somebody who would just look, you know, you can tell by the look in their eyes, they're just waiting for me to shut up so they can dump, dump whatever they're ready to, right? Another, another way we listen to people is, is just waiting for them to stop talking so that we can reply to whatever they're saying. We are listening to what they're saying, but we know better. Or we're going to tell them the story. You know, those are the, the people who always have a bigger experience. You had COVID and were sick in bed for two weeks. They had COVID and had to go to the hospital. You had COVID and had to go to the hospital. They had COVID and were in ICU. You had COVID and were in ICU. They were on the ventilator for six weeks. None of us are like that, right? Okay, we're talking about those other people. Because I hate to confess for anybody that's here, because then you might be upset with me. Uh, but that's some of the ways. We, some of it. See, but here's the key to really getting along with people. Turn off your agenda and listen to understand. Those of us who are on social media, I know I'm about to leave preaching and start meddling here, but those of us who are on social media need to relearn this skill. We need to learn to listen to understand other people. I firmly believe that most people who post some of the memes that they post, if they really thought about what it said, wouldn't say it. But because they, it hit them just right at the moment they saw it, they hit share and they didn't think about it. And because I believe that the Apostle Paul is right in 1 Corinthians 13, and he says, love believes the best, I choose to believe the best about them. Believe me, for some folks, it's really hard. nobody in this room and I, as far as I know nobody online because I have no idea who's online but some of them other people are really hard to listen to when, when somebody puts something on Facebook or somebody says something that really pushes your buttons before you get upset Start with a question. 
Wow, that's interesting. How did you come to that point of view? Not why in the world did you, why did you say something so stupid? Do not go over there. How did you come to that point of view? And turn off your brain, stop looking for all the loopholes and whatever they say, and listen to understand them. You're probably thinking, where did he, how did he get off on that when we're talking about parables? And Jesus, we need to do the same thing when we look at Jesus in his parables. We need to listen to understand him. When we read this parable about the sower, what is he challenging us to do? He's warning us not to reject his truth, but he's calling us to accept it and to turn to him and let God do amazing things in our lives. 160. 30 times beyond anything we ever thought might have happened when we accept his truth. Well, how do you come to that point of view, Jesus? Well, Jesus would say something like this. I've come to the conclusion that God all loves us and wants to bless us beyond our understanding. in ways that we can't imagine. Now some of you went straight to money. That's okay, because we're Americans. That's where we all go. We, we spell blessed, M-O-N-E-Y. That's why we, most of us would never make it through a spelling bee. <laughs> but here, here's the truth. There are so many ways to be blessed. There are so many ways that God can bless us. But we shouldn't just limit it with finances. He can bless us with great relationships. He can bless us with great relationship. He can bless us with great families. He can bless us with great congregations to belong to. Great communities to live in. bless us in so many ways. Well beyond anything we can imagine. He can bless us in what seems to be the darkest, dingiest places we could ever be. The Apostle Paul wrote a letter that is known as the joy letter because he keeps talking about rejoicing and joy all the way through it. It's the letter to the church in Philippi, but we call it Philippians. He wrote it from a Roman dungeon. never know it except for a couple of places where he mentions the fact that he's in jail and he's rejoicing about that because he gets to 
Yes, he, his, his point of view is I have a captive audience. All my guards who have to be chained to me to make sure I don't escape have to listen to me talk about Jesus. I've almost worked my way through the entire squadron. Pray for me. It's almost like he's having fun. In jail. In jail for preaching Jesus. So what do you do when you put what happens when you put a preacher in jail for preaching Jesus? They find a way to preach Jesus in jail. And he was blessed in chains. We tend to look at circumstances and go, to be blessed means we don't have any problems. No. To be blessed means even in the problems, we know he's with us. We're still winning. This is the point of the parable. Accept his truth. And big things are going to happen that we can't even imagine. When you look at them, grass seeds, wheat seeds, they're about the same size. You look at one of those little seeds. That's not all that impressive. To think that that can turn into 30, 20, 60 times as much. Mind boggling. Corn seeds. Plant one corn seed, it grows into a corn stock that has three or four years on it with hundreds of <coughs> seeds on each one. Here's the one that really boggles my mind. Redwood trees. <laughs> and the seeds from redwood trees. You know the redwood trees, the ones that they can cut holes in and drive cars through? And it's still alive. And it's still growing. Gigantic sequoia redwoods. Look at your little finger, fingernail, <clears throat> unless you're a lady with those great big long things. Uh, little guys, about that size, about the size of your little finger, the pinky fingernail. A seed like that. You look at a seed like that and you have no idea that it can turn into a 200 foot tall tree, 50, 60 feet in diameter trunk. That's what Jesus says. My truth in your life can do things you'll never dream of just by looking at it. Don't be quick to reject it. Listen to understand. Listen to understand. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we want to listen to understand, but we're going to need your help because left to ourselves, we probably mess it up.
uh, no, no problem about it. Every time we try to figure things out on our own, we do. Every time we try to do it on our own, we think we figured things out. And you go, well, that's close. But let's try again. So teach us, Holy Spirit. Jesus promised us that you would lead us into all truth. So as we seek to understand, teach us. to Jesus. time I want to thank everybody for choosing to participate with us today uh, whether you're online or on site thank you for participating in the worship celebration it's awesome to have you with us and I want to remind us all we follow Jesus we go with him where he goes which means just as he said as the father sent me I am sending you now, at first, that sounds scary, but let us also remember, he also said, I am with you always. He doesn't send us out there all by ourselves. He sends us to go with him. So, you are sent to go with Jesus in the power of his Holy Spirit to take the love and hope of Jesus to people who desperately need to know good things are coming from a God who loves them more than you could ever imagine. So go with Jesus. <laughs>